to the Muddy Pulpit Podcast, where two pastors talk about the questions that keep your faith up at night. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the Muddy Pulpit Podcast. It's episode seven, and I promise this is not um, a nepotistic affair. We have another question from one of my family members. It just happens to be a good one. And, but, you know, it is from my wife. So, you know, we did my dad last week, and we're going to hear Brett's question this week. All right, Brett, take it away. Hello, Pastor Kyle and Rev G. It's Brett Tubbs. I've got a question for you guys that I have been wondering for a long time. All right, nothing against my Pentecostal brothers and sisters. However, there seems to be some discrepancies when it comes to speaking in tongues. Can you explain the gift of speaking in tongues, why it happens, and in what context it happens? I've been in services before where people were speaking in tongues, and there wasn't an interpreter, and the whole thing just seemed a little off, and maybe a little bit contrived. So I'm hoping that you guys can share some light on what this actually is, why it happens, and if it still happens today. And if you guys have ever been in a situation where you've experienced someone speaking in tongues in the actual biblical sense of the term. Thanks. Okay, so very interesting question. And I guess just to give everybody a little background information, uh, Brett and I, you know, we moved here to Greenwood from the Norfolk, Virginia Beach area. Uh, Regent University is out in Virginia Beach. It's a non-denominational seminary and because of that we get a lot of well non-denominational folks of mainly pentecostal charismatic kind of backgrounds and so the the question here i think it's really coming from a lot of our shared experiences of being in, in situations where i i've uh you know, had people praying in tongues in a classroom, um, seeing it in worship, all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it was something that was kind of the bread and butter of the Regent University experience. And I'm guessing um, that for a lot of you who are listening to this, it hasn't been your bread and butter experience, perhaps growing up as a Presbyterian. <laughs> And it wasn't mine in my seminary. Princeton uh, definitely did not have people regularly speaking in tongues in class. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think this is a great question because, you know, for a lot of us out here um, in the Reformed tradition, this is just something that, that we don't really see and encounter a whole lot. But our other brothers and sisters in Christ do. And it's authentic to them. So. I'm wondering if today we can't explore some middle ground of, of, of seeing how we can talk about speaking in tongues in a non, I don't want to say judgmental way, but I think some of us perhaps are judgmental when it comes to speaking in tongues. At least I was before I got to Regent University. And, and you know, the way that that goes both ways in in the judgmental part, because the, the side that's not familiar with it can can look over to the side that, that does it a lot and say, 
this is, you know, this is crazy or kooky or, you know, you guys are crazy for doing this. And at the same time, the people who are familiar with speaking in tongues will look at those who do not speak in tongues and label them as not having received the gift and therefore not a true disciple of Christ. Right, right, right. So a quick history lesson. Uh, the point of origin for a lot of speaking in tongues in this country was the Azusa Street Revival of the early 20th century. This is out in California. And the story there is, which you can go look up after this, I'll give you the short version, is that over the course of, of weeks and, and months, um, there was this block party, if you will, of, of Christians flocking to Azusa Street, and they just broke out and speaking in tongues, and they were manifesting other signs of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. And so a lot of people were like, wow, this is kind of like a, a modern-day Pentecost, and that's where we get the Pentecostal tradition from, is it all goes back to the Azusa Street Revival. So the question is like, well, for most of us who are in, you know, coming from a reform background or tradition who, you know, we, we haven't had that in our historical experience, you know, what's going on? You know, what's the big idea? With and Our history is, is vastly different than that experience. You know, this, this would be the holiness, Pentecostalness movement that, that comes from that type of revival. The Presbyterians have a very different background. We were uh, coming out of a, a Europe, European tradition of Stoicism, where it was m regarded much more highly for someone to remain Stoic at all times. It's a, it's a high form of being civil and civilized. And so it was regarded highly that someone did not get emotional at any point during worship or during your day in general. So, uh, you know, we, we leaned strongly on, on that side. And as part of that, then the, the cerebral aspect. So worship then for us or in, and theology for us was much less emotional or much less kind of just, you know, allowing the spirit to, to take hold and go wherever it wants into us thinking more and, and being more cerebral, deeper thought um, in, in the theology of the worship. Kyle, is that why we're the frozen chosen? That's absolutely why we're the frozen chosen. I've been trying my whole career to try to get people unfrozen, but it, it's just, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing. Yeah, set your microwave to 2,000 watts. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to uh, get into, you know, speaking of, 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 you know, reform tradition, I wanted to get into some of our confessions. And so the, the second Helvetic confession isn't very kind it doesn't mince words about speaking in tongues. You know, this is from uh, the the 12th chapter, point five point two one seven. So it says, Worship in the common language. Therefore, let all strange tongues keep silence in gatherings for worship, and let all things be set forth in a common language which is understood by the people gathered in that place. That's it. So I think straight away we need to talk about the distinction between tongues as foreign languages and tongues as what 
academics refer to as glossolalia. That's a fancy term, right? There. Yeah. Just that word itself sounds I, like a tongues word. Like, I was about to say, you're already speaking in tongues. Shamalama ding dong, you know? <laughs> yeah, so when we, when, you know, when the Bible uh, talks about tongues, there are clear cases where it, it seems to be it's referring to a foreign language. And the Azusa Street Revival um, definitely had that, that connotation to it as well. There were a lot of people who were speaking foreign languages. You know, even the day of Pentecost in the Bible, people were given uh, the gift of understanding foreign languages. And it says, you know, in, in the scriptures that they kind of received a new tongue. That, that makes sense if, if Pentecost is intended to spread the Spirit and spread the church across the globe. That makes sense to give them the gift to be able to go out to other areas, other lands, and understand other people and speak other and speak in other people's tongues. That makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. And here's the, the weird thing about the Azusa Street Revival. Um, a lot of people got fired up, and there's this great missionary fervor to go to the ends of the earth and to go to new places and, and preach the gospel. But that project got interrupted by World War I. And so I, I, I don't want to, you know, delve into crazy, uh, you know, conspiracy theories or spiritual warfare too heavily. But, you know, I just wonder if that's not a case where the enemy wasn't stirring something up just so he could prevent the church from mobilizing with the gospel. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I think the, the other aspect of, of speaking in tongues, this glossolalia we're referring to, um, academics have referred to as a kind of angelic language or it's a, a private prayer language that you have be between God. And it may have its own you know, vocabulary, there's no kind of, there's no rules for glossolalia, really. And I think that's kind of the strange thing that, that might weird people out. Because when you have somebody just speaking a bunch of what comes across as gibberish, you'd be like, hey, wait a minute. Um, why can't you just speak English when you're praying to God? Like, why do you even need to pray in tongues or speak in tongues. I think it's important to point out in your statement there the observation from someone else yeah. speaking, looking at someone speaking in tongues. And so that observation from those other people throws them, confuses them, and, and is in, in some ways a distraction to them being able to enter into worship themselves. What is this going on? Is this some crazy kind of cult thing? Is this, you know... Is this a devil or an evil spirit that, that that's gotten into somebody, and 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 in that way it then becomes a distraction for that person to be able to worship, which is why the scripture says if someone is speaking in tongues, there needs to be someone there to interpret those tongues. And uh, but but even there, still, it it's it's allowing something into the worship service that is going to be a bit of a, a, an obstacle distraction. And until they can kind of get a better grasp of what's going on. Right, right. So we're kind of talking about tongues, but we haven't really said what exactly it is. So just to get that cleared up, 
Kyle and I believe that tongues is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That's just the basic, simple definition. And so if it's a gift, we should treat it as such. And that's not to be confused with fruits of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think some people do make that confusion because uh, I've had classmates who have shared their experiences with me saying that they had struggles growing up in a charismatic Pentecostal church and they were doubting their faith because they weren't speaking in tongues mm. or just that, that gift had not manifested. Mm. And I think that is where we might get into some issues. It, it's important to note, too, that, that there's more gifts from God than this. And even, even in the place in Scripture where it's talking about listing the, someone speaking in tongues, at the same time it says you also receive the gift of wisdom or the gift of prophecy or the gift of, 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 of these other things, the gift of preaching. And, uh, and if you don't receive one of them, it, it's okay because that's why we are the body of faith and that we'll all complement each other. So if you don't have a particular gift that you really want, it, it's okay. Right, right. So we're kind of being gentle, but now let's get into some mud. <laughs> let's just let's just say it. Let, let, let's just put ourselves out there and and share our speaking in tongues experiences. And this this I think is where we're gonna you and I are, are gonna be muddy. Uh, maybe even maybe even with each other a little bit. <laughs> well, I'll. I'll I'll start with one of mine um, that was very explicit. So I was in a class one time, and uh, the, it, I think it was our final class of the semester, and the teacher said, uh, you know, hey, students, I, I know praying in tongues isn't for everybody, uh, but I would like for us to pray in tongues to close out the class. You know, is there anybody who staunchly objects to this? And you know, I was sitting there thinking, well, I don't really have any strong opinions either way, but go ahead, God. You know, let, let's. I, I wanted to be open to the spirit moving in the classroom. So while the, the, the teacher was praying in tongues and the whole class was praying in tongues, I was praying privately, asking the spirit to help me hear. And I could not hear that day now whether or not you know you want to take that as some scientific you know evidence against speaking in tongues I, I don't think it is but regardless I had an experience where you know it was I, I came up empty on my end you know I was I was trying to believe that uh, that what Paul said about Speaking tongues was true, that he said, hey, if this is going to happen, there needs to be interpretation. So that's what I prayed for, and I could not hear. That's, yeah, that, I, have, I have a lot of, a lot of comments in, in that whole scenario. Can, <laughs> can I talk at that point? Are you through Oh, there? yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so immediately what, what comes to my mind is, for one, a professor saying, all right, so let's, let's control something that really is 
an expression of the Spirit, something that you cannot control. Yeah. So the the Spirit coming into your life, coming into your into your body, whatever is uh, is something that is beautiful and something that is that you release into, and it's not something that you can control. And and I mean, I I realize that people can speak in tongues whenever they want to, kind of thing. But having a professor saying, "All right, so let's bring the Spirit in here and and say." What the spirit is going to say is is very controlling to me. It sounds like I mean he's trying to say, all right, we're going to control the spirit. In the same way, your response is saying to God, um, God, give me the ability to be able to hear. When uh, that's a spirit thing too, you know that's that's not something that we can just say, hey, God, give me a million dollars, and then you <laughs> you you get a phone call and somebody says, hey, you just won a million dollars. You know, it's it, these are these are spirit things. These are things that you don't have control over. And so, and and then and then the third piece of that is a scientific proof. Then, so is this <laughs> is this scientifically proving one way or another of of anything? And and the key to any of the gifts of God is is the lack of our need for concrete control of the spirit this is letting go and allowing god to take hold and live yeah. inside of you yeah yeah that that's kind of how i i walked away from that experience i i i thought deeply about it after afterwards and i just felt the sense that um you know perhaps for some students it was legitimate and they were having a spiritual encounter with God and, and they, they were praying kind of one-on-one with God and that that's on them. Uh, I I don't want to knock anybody, any of my classmates who, who genuinely felt that they had an authentic experience that day. But for me, um, it just wasn't there. And that, that isn't to say that, well, just because I didn't have an experience, the spirit didn't move in that classroom. No, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. Um, but I think what is worth saying is that just to echo Kyle's point is that we can't contrive our spiritual encounters with God. We can't force God to give us gifts. Mm-hmm. That's not the definition of gift. You just have to receive. Yeah. And what does it say when we go to God saying, Hey, give me this gift, God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what I hear in, in that as well, Gordon is you walked away from that experience possibly feeling um, disheartened or lesser or that God uh, God had failed you or that you weren't worthy. I mean, all of those feelings are contrary to the whole aspect of our faith. We, we should never leave worship or prayer feeling as though, you know, well, well, God just doesn't love me. Or you know, God didn't yeah. like me enough to yeah. give me this gift. So that that really hurts to, to to imagine anybody leaving like that. Yeah. Well, I I will say that a- after this tongues experience in the classroom, that the professor did switch over to English, and I was edified by that. Um, so I I don't want to say I was left completely empty-handed, but you know there are a lot of people who. Um, as, as I said before, you know, they, they really treat this gift of tongues as a fruit when they really shouldn't be. And 
just because you don't get it doesn't mean the spirit isn't moving because mm-hmm. you can get other things yeah yeah it, your your experience is is a powerful one mine mine is very different i i've had a couple of experiences being around people who speak in tongues but mine mine are not as contrite mine are not as <laughs> as uh as difficult as those my experiences are in more private settings yeah where it's not a big worship service. I guess we were following the Second Helvetic Confession. You know, we haven't done it in <laughs> worship, um, but which which I really struggle with that statement too, that definitive statement, because you know Paul spoke in tongues. So if yeah. Paul spoke in tongues, then there's something legitimate about this. And and in my experience, it's been in small prayer groups that it was not a show. It was not something that drew attention to someone. It was not something that was, um, you know, controlled and, and with an objective, but it was really a matter of like, we're entering into prayer and, and someone is, is so moved inside. The, the way that I would describe it is they just get so excited. It's, it's like having a puppy, right? Uh, I don't know if that's a good analogy or not. It's, but it's like, it's like having somebody, you know, a little puppy that's just so excited and they greet you at the door and they're just wagging all over the place and, you know, they're smiling and, you know, do dogs smile? I don't know. Um, but, but they have this tremendous energy inside and they just want to let it out. And, and that's kind of the way that I've experienced tongues to be, you know, something that's coming alive inside of you that bubbles out. And, and it doesn't come out in a tangible way that somebody else can hear in, in their normal tongue. So some people would just do a kind of like a rattle or some people would just, you know, shake or something like that. And it's not a matter of these, these fake things. It's just a matter of their, their spirit is really excited on the inside. And, and this is done in a setting, in my experience, where there's not, there's not onlookers and there's not going to be a badge handed out at the end about who got the loudest or the wildest or whatever, but yeah. really a matter of prayer, really a matter of we're just together lifting up our, we're lifting up one another and our world and, and coming closer to God. And, and they were beautiful. And in all of the circumstances I was in, they, they were, they were beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think perhaps that is a healthy place to maybe explore this if you are genuinely curious about speaking in tongues and you haven't had this sort of uh, encounter or experience before, you know, maybe dig into the scriptures in your own quiet time, pray to God and, and say, hey, God, I'd like for you to blow me away if it's your will to help me experience this speaking in tongues thing that I'm reading from the scriptures that Paul had that so many people have had but I haven't had because I'm curious I'm curious Lord so I don't know maybe give that a shot and see what happens and I I wouldn't be surprised if God showed up and said okay I'll give you a little something Mm. It, there, there are several scriptures that talk about speaking in tongues. And yeah, yeah. So, kind of the the big one, if you really want to do a Bible study, um, and you just want to go to one place, just go to First Corinthians fourteen, and 
that whole chapter is pretty much about this gift and Paul's experience with it. And I just wanted to share a couple of a couple verses, which is um, eighteen and nineteen. This is First Corinthians fourteen, eighteen, nineteen. I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. And I, I think that kind of sums it up, right? There's, when you get down to the brass tacks of it, there's kind of two ways to communicate with and among believers in the church and then to God. And you can do this in English. You can do it in a foreign language. You know, if you've ever if you've ever been on a missions trip and you've attended a worship service that was not in your language and you're sitting there, you know, trying to be reverent and not understanding a single word, well, guess what? <laughs> was that whole worship service out of order according to the Book of Confessions? No, no, no. Let's not. Let's let, let's dispense with that. Um, but I think what what Paul's getting at here is that. We need to communicate, not only with each other, but to God. And that, I think, is, however that is expressed, is good. I like that. To be able to communicate, and, and there, it's, you don't have to communicate in thousands of words, but just in very simple terms with each other. We were, we were joking about this earlier when we were talking <laughs> about this topic, and and you were you're saying along the lines of somebody speaking and other people not being able to understand, and all they hear is tongues. And I said, well, yet yeah, it kind of feels like me up there in the pulpit every Sunday. I feel like I'm nice and clear and saying what I want to see, say what I want to say, and everybody out in the congregation is just hearing wah 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 wah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to work harder and harder yeah. to be able to make my words and make what I'm I'm trying to communicate as clear as possible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I would suggest praying us out in tongues, but let's let's stick with English today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do that. God, you have given us so many gifts in our life, way more than we could ever measure and ever account for. But God, we just pray that uh, the gifts you give us, we're able to use and we're able to feel your spirit and share your spirit and your light with the world. Fill us all, gracious God, with that spirit that we may just go through our day full of joy and energy and excitement that you live within us and are working through us every day. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right, y'all. See you next week. <laughs> the Muddy Pulpit Podcast is a production of First Presbyterian Church of Greenwood, South Carolina. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions to Gordon at firstgreenwood.com or use the voice message feature on the Anchor app. Thanks, and have a great day.